Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender, back from hiatus, but recharged and ready to go because we've got the NCAA tournament on tap, and we have possibly the return of Tiger Woods to some measure of significance in golf. I doubt it until it happens in the major, but we did have Tiger pursuing a title on the PGA Tour today at the Valspar Championship, coming up one stroke short of uh, Paul Casey, who hadn't won on tour in eight years. So uh, Casey wins at minus 10. Tiger finishes up in second, uh, minus 9. Uh, left the putt barely short, uh, 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 heading into the, uh, the l- last hole. I mean, honestly, uh, for those who were in attendance, they were remarking how much uh, uh, Tiger looked good, that he was uh, swinging the ball well, but he couldn't putt. And, you know, when Tiger doesn't putt well, that's usually when things self-destruct. It's usually when he's on fire with the putting, that's when he's winning uh, titles and majors. Uh, it's usually been the driver that's let him down over the past couple of years. So this is an interesting dynamic. So uh, Tiger already uh, with the odds makers uh, was the prohibitive uh, uh, golfer that people are betting off at the Masters coming up in April. Uh, you know, Tiger is generating at least uh, six, uh, uh, 6% of all bets uh, coming into the Masters, I mean, no one else is even coming close, and I'd be surprised if anyone did, just because of the standpoint of, you know, it's Tiger. So, you know, of all the people you're going to bet on for golf, people are going to bet on Tiger just because it's Tiger Woods. So, no matter what people want to say about who uh, is the best golfer in the world, where you want to go with Dustin Johnson... Uh, you, you, you're going with uh, Roy McIlroy, jo- uh, Jordan Spieth. People care about Tiger Woods because he is Tiger Woods. There's no getting around that. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes in terms of uh, some of the other tournaments leading up to the Masters. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's coming up in less than a month now because uh, it's uh, opening round is on April 5th. So, uh, again, if you're thinking about the Masters and you're thinking about uh, betting on it or d- doing anything else or golf related, you know, you better get your, because <laughs> like the line of people ready to raise the stakes on Tiger, I mean, that just jumped up exponentially in terms of the odds maker. So uh, it's just becoming less and less profitable to bet on Tiger uh, at this point of the game. But uh, with that being said, going to get into the crux of what I really want to talk about, which was the NCAA Tournament brackets. So we're going to go into the brackets, but also going to d- talk about the selection committee because, unlike most years, 
and most years deserve their fair share of criticism. This year was especially egregious in terms of the backroom deals. So let's just get right down to it in terms of what went down with uh, Selection Sunday tonight and uh, who got the shaft and who uh, got a pass even though they had no business being there. And there were definitely some uh, great examples. So uh, move, uh, moving to the overall uh, talking point here is the NCAA Selection Committee and how they actually went about doing what they did tonight. Because, again, this was comical about how they actually managed to evaluate these teams. The common refrain throughout the entire night with the selection committee was a body of work. So what does that actually entail? Basically, the committee only looked at the body of work of the season and ignored the last 10 to 12 games as a barometer of where a team was trending. So by them saying body of work, meant that they were ignoring the aspects of what was going wrong with the team uh, heading into the tournament. So, case in point, number one, the biggest whipping boy for why body of work is a ridiculous measurement of what you're actually selecting for NCAA team, we have Oklahoma and Trey Young. Now, Oklahoma, start the year, looked great. They, they had a Great start to the year. Had a ton of top 25 wins. They were talking to Sports Center. Trey Young was being compared to Steph Curry. Uh, I mean, it was all over the place in terms of media attention. What happened? Teams started scouting Oklahoma. They started scouting what Trey Young likes to do. And they started clamping down on them. And they lost. And lost. And lost. In terms of how much Oklahoma lost in terms of the back end of the season, let's read out some of the metrics for you. Oklahoma, by comparison, in terms of teams that should make the tournament, Oklahoma went 4-11 and in the last 15 games. 4-11. and No road victories. It outside of, if you want to consider it, neutral court. Uh, and I, I, I still want to say that, that for the most part, Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, which was, if you want to make an objective yeah. measurement of this, it should yeah. not be the... I mean, again, Oklahoma State got left out for Oklahoma. Despite losing... Oklahoma losing in the first round of their own conference tournament on a neutral site. Oklahoma lost 11 out of the last 15 games. Since January, Oklahoma went 7-12 and since January. The one notable win they have is over Kansas, and that was at home. Again, a Kansas team that was banged up at that point, but... All right, we'll give Oklahoma the win there. The next time they played Kansas on the road, they lost by 30. You know, it's one of those things where, yes, media attention can be good in one way. and the other aspect, media attention can highlight how much uh, a team has flaws. And Oklahoma got exposed badly. 
yes, they were on national TV all the time. But it just made it that much easier to, to cherry pick exactly what was wrong with this team. It's Trey Young and not much else to it. And Trey Young also started having regression issues because he was taking so many shots. The ball distribution was not there in terms of the latter half of the season. So Trey Young did a whole ton of work. But, I mean, again, the amount of shots that Trey Young had to take down the uh down a stretch and not getting people involved. This team has not looked good in well over a month and a half. I mean, again, when you close out a season as poorly as they did, uh, considering that they started out the year 12 and one, uh, with that win uh, over Oklahoma state to then proceed to go down to being, I mean, again, 18 and 13, you know, I, I I say this, and I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, they have no business being in the tournament. This is strictly an NIT gig. But the reason why, and we're going to get into Alabama too, because Alabama made it on the basis of they had a nice little run in the SEC tournament. But again, if, you, if the committee was being honest with themselves and talking about body of work, there is no point in Alabama being in this tournament field either if body of work is supposed to actually mean something because there were teams that were far more accomplished in the regular season over the course of the season than Oklahoma and Alabama. People aren't even talking about Alabama because there were other entries in this field of 68 that are ridiculous too. But Alabama is another one with Colin Sexton being a one-and-done type player. That is exciting to watch, but again, if you're being honest with yourselves, over the totality of the season, Alabama has no uh, purpose being in this tournament. Oklahoma getting in and getting in easily as a 10 seed, I mean, again, this should have been one of the last couple of teams in. I mean, if, and I, and I, no, I told people that Oklahoma was going to get in. I thought they would at least make it the playing game just so. They could make it less egregious for them to be included in this field. The fact that they got in as a 10 seed without having to do a playing game is a joke. Uh, I mean, again, there was no purpose. You, you, UCLA actually has a bigger gripe against some of these other teams uh, that got left out because UCLA ha- has to go into the uh, go into a playing game for being number two in the regular season of their own conference and finishing runner-up in their own conference tournament final. They're in a playing game. Oklahoma is already into the first round. It, you know, again, there were <laughs> there were some things done with this committee that I, I'm telling you, there's there's definitely something fishy going on with the backroom deals uh, of uh, some of these uh, of these uh, uh, athletic directors uh, on the selection committee because what they said is not what they preach. So Alabama in with a nine seed. Alabama, 19 and 15 on the year. Had a nice run in the SEC tournament. I, I, I give them that. But again, this is pretty much one of the most middling teams that you will see uh, out of anyone. Because, you know, the uh, the aspect of Alabama getting in with 19 and 15, having a losing record in the SEC, 
which is a good conference, but let's be honest with ourselves. Going 8-10 and 10 in a Power 5 conference is not an NCAA selection team. Unless you win the conference tournament, you should not be going in with a t- <laughs> being this far below 500. Uh, being no, uh, under 500 and a Power 5 conference. Again, middling at best. This is not what the NCAA tournament was supposed to be based off. It's supposed to be based off of, if you're being honest with yourselves, it's supposed to be based off of what you did in the regular season, the best from each conference being properly represented. Now, you can have teams that have an automatic bid conference losing, which is what happened to Middle Tennessee State, and yeah, I could make the case that Middle Tennessee State should not be in the tournament. But if you're telling me some of these other teams making the tournament with a 25-win team uh, uh, drop drops a game like uh, Middle Tennessee, or uh, when you get into uh, an actual team like uh, uh, St. Mary's, we've got issues here, and it, and it's blatantly obvious that the committee has uh, their favorites that they're playing here. But, again, no one's even talking about Alabama. But, uh, you know, everyone's focused on that Oklahoma. Alabama's just as guilty. The next uh, culprit here that needs to be talked about is Syracuse. And, again, rewarding mediocrity is something that the, the tournament committee has been doing way too often. Because, you know, we, we can could, we could talk about this all day long. In the case of Syracuse, people want to talk about the fact that they had a bunch of wins in the top 50 against teams uh, that were ranked in top 50. But here's the other thing. And, you know, when they went into this whole new system, because now the NCAA committee, selection committee was supposed to be going based off of this quadrant-based system, where they were saying that the regular season matters, but you got to beat teams in your in different quadrants. So you got to beat the teams at the top quadrant one versus quadrant two and three. Now, the quadrant one teams are supposedly the power five conference teams. Against in that quadrant one that they're supposed to be uh, based off of, because Syracuse scheduled, and they they keep talking about how tough a schedule Syracuse scheduled. Uh, they were ranked 17th nationally in terms of schedule, but they were 6-11 in the Quadrant 1 games. Again, you know, when you basically keep getting bounced by teams that are better than you, yeah, you can schedule them, but it doesn't make it... Just because you get your ass kicked by a good team doesn't mean you're actually good. It just means that you're not better than a good team. <laughs> I mean, again, similar to the example I used with Oklahoma, some of these teams that just had games against the good teams are getting rewarded because they got their they got beat by better teams. I I don't care that you didn't get blown out by thirty; you still lost by double digits to a team that's better than you. That doesn't actually prove anything in terms of a tournament resume. Now, that's not to say that Tyus Battle can't help lead Syracuse into. Pulling off a win against, uh, I'll get into the brackets. They, they got a matchup in the playing game against Arizona State, who isn't good, and a matchup against TCU, which is a winnable matchup, to be honest. TCU uh, uh, can't be beat because Jamie Dixon uh, plays a very slow down, 
defensive minded game. They, uh, they, I mean, because yeah, they can put up points, but Jamie Dixon would still rather this team play defense. So I actually look at them as a team that is going to probably slow it down more than people are giving them credit for. I know TCU uh, uh, scores a ton of points. They score 80 points a game. But I actually look at uh, uh, this is more of a case where a team's going to start changing up because of the NCAA tournament. But anyway, it's it's a potential winnable matchup. I don't see, believe me, I don't see them winning. But it shouldn't even come to this. It, again, when we're talking about the NCAA tournament, if we're being honest with ourselves and not saying who whose team has a, enough of alumni uh, uh, base where they can travel, well, uh, this would not be an issue. But that's what we keep running into. We keep running into situations where we've got selection committees making decisions based off of uh, who's the coach and who's going to travel well. And looking at it by ridiculous objectives, saying that the strength of schedule for Syracuse should make them a better fit than Notre Dame that beat Syracuse at Syracuse without two of their best players. Notre Dame was the last team left out of the tournament. And again, people just keep uh, keep making uh, making excuses of this. I, I mean, again, I'm I'm just not buying the committee's excuse of uh, of looking at the total body of work because the total body of work with the Syracuse says that's an NIT team. At least Notre Dame has the excuse of losing their best player, Bonzi Colson, for 15 games. They lost him for most of the season. They were a top 10 team with him. And he's back now. But, I mean, again, I thought Notre Dame was safely in. The fact that they made excuses to get teams like Oklahoma, Alabama, and Syracuse in, I'm just scratching my head. Uh, you know, there are other teams that can uh, be upset tonight. I mean, I didn't even get into uh, – uh, I talked about St. Mary's a, a little bit. I mean, again, St. Mary's, 25 wins, not in mainly because they cited a strength of schedule. A lot of these teams, and you know, you can say what you want about it, but – at the end of the day, you can't schedule tougher opponents because no one's going to be willing to play you because it's there's nothing in it for a Power 5 conference. The biggest issue with the NCAA in terms of basketball, and maybe this FBI investigation blows up enough things that you can make a case for it otherwise, but the fact of the matter is top teams don't play mid-majors because they know that the selection committee will just bury them if they lose to a mid-major. There is no incentive to play mid-major unless someone actually has the capacity to force these teams to schedule games, which the NCAA does not actually have any power to do so. So all these teams can just duck teams because everyone knows that Kansas will not play Wichita State ever. Ever. There's no way Kansas will will play Wichita State. Even though Wichita State now is putting in the American... Unless someone put uh, finds a way of scheduling those two in uh, for an NCAA tournament game, Kansas is never going to schedule a home-and-home with Wichita State. It's never in their best interest, and they're going to avoid them. So, teams that have issues to be pissed off, Notre Dame's one, again, because of Syracuse inclusion, they absolutely have a case to be mad. USC has a case to be mad because of Arizona State getting in. 
despite the fact that Arizona State cratered spectacularly to close out this season. I mean, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, uh, the Sun Devils went 8-10 and 10 in Pac-12 play when the committee basically stated that the Pac-12 was not a good conference. So if, UC, if uh, UCLA finishing second in the Pac-12 barely got in for the playing game, how the hell is Arizona State in here with a worse resume? Yes, they won early. But that doesn't mean anything because, again, things can change dramatically in basketball before Christmas because of the fact that teams develop, coaches get a better feel for their team. The teams are different. The body of work argument is is a bunch of BS, to be honest, because of the fact that teams change dramatically as the season goes on. As the simple fact of the matter is, teams learn and study game tape. They become more well aware of what their opponents are do- doing on a, a daily basis. So, you know, trying to uh, uh, equivalent, uh, ch- uh, pass an equivalent test of saying that a win in November is the same as a win in February and March, it's, it's kind of ludicrous because the teams are different. There's no getting around it. And it, more than often than not, the team at the end Heading into the tournament, that's the better barometer than the early season wins. It, it's just is. I'm sorry if you if you're if you're trying to make a case of your team and saying that, oh well, you gotta consider all aspects. I mean, the simple fact of the matter is is that you know Arizona State and Oklahoma were some of the worst trending teams heading into this tournament. I mean, yeah, could they win? Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to say. Uh, that they have no shot in hell of winning, but if, if you're being realistic with yourselves, no. <laughs> I mean, Arizona's best case of winning comes from the fact that they're playing Syracuse, who also should not be in this tournament. So, again, it doesn't really say all that much about how the selection committee went about this. I mean, and again, the one thing that no one really talked about at all is Nebraska. Nebraska went 13-5 and in their own conference in the Big Ten. No one even mentioned them, how they were not even one of the first four out. They were next four out. That's how ridiculous uh, uh, the actual uh, schedule went. I, I mean, let's be, let's be clear here. They went 22-10, and 16-1 and at home, and had the 13-5 and conference uh, record. Which most, which is basically what tells you the barometer of t- how good you were in your own conference. They don't like the conference uh, at all, which is part of the reason why Michigan State got knocked down as much as they did. But if you're rating Purdue as a number two seed, and uh, you know, not for nothing, there should be consideration given for the teams that played well in their conference. Again, if you're saying total body of work, then the regular season is supposed to matter. Obviously, it didn't if you didn't like the conference. So, basically what the committee uh, did was they pigeonholed the Power 5 schools that they didn't really give a damn about. And they disregarded the mid-majors if they had any uh, reason to disregard them. Uh, But, I mean, again, this is just a case where you've got... A Michigan State team 
somehow getting a three seed when, you know, they were 20, uh, I mean, it's 29 and four was the, won the overall Big Ten regular season. And again, you've got Purdue as the two seed, even though, <laughs> I, I mean, again, uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm I'm just sh- kind of shaking my head. Uh, Michigan State lost uh, lost out to um, uh, Michigan, but you know you can make it. <laughs> uh, you you could you could say whatever you want. Michigan State, if you're being legitimately honest with yourselves, uh, was a was a uh, a better team than Purdue. But again. They cherry pick these teams. So Nebraska, you know, they won 13 games in their conference in the wrong year because they didn't. The committee did not like the Big Ten. Uh, the committee had issues with Michigan State, whether it has to do with the NASA investigation or not. They had their issues with them, so that's why they preferred Purdue over Michigan. Even though uh, the numbers say that Purdue was an inferior team to Michigan, but it is what it is. But that that all being said. Uh, gonna get finally get into the brackets because we're already almost a half hour into the podcast. But uh, so we're gonna start off with the East region. With even though they're not the overall number one seed, literally the way this was arranged, they're the overall number one seed based off of how much of a cakewalk this schedule looks like uh, from the outset. So uh, we're gonna go with number one Villanova. Uh, basically, they got uh, a walkover game between LIU and Radford uh, for the playing game. Uh, no offense to LIU, Brooklyn, and Radford, but yeah, <laughs> nothing's happening there. Uh, so eight, the uh, the 8-9 matchup, you've got uh, Virginia Tech and Alabama. I talk about Colin Sexton. Alabama, they've been on a little hot streak. They, they, they got into the tournament, but honestly, this looks like more of an exhibition for Sexton than an actual legitimate uh, tournament run. Uh, I look at uh, Virginia Tech. You know they're not a they're not a decent team. I mean I wouldn't say that they're uh, overwhelming uh, powerhouse. It's more the fact that uh, our, uh, Alabama got in based off of uh, you can make arguments of their strength of schedule. Yeah, they scheduled a bunch of games and they lost a bunch of games and they have a one and done player. Uh, but Virginia Tech, by the metrics, have a better overall team, even though the RPI and strength schedule don't show it. Uh, but, you know, Virginia Tech is a slightly better team. Uh, so I'm going to give them the nod in the initial assessment here of the bracket. But this is kind of a pick game. But I, I just look at it as from the standpoint of Alabama's played a bunch of games in a short amount of time. Uh, I think those legs are eventually going to get a little tired. So, uh, that's the 8-9 matchup, and I got Villanova going over the winner of Alabama, of Virginia Tech. Uh, just, there's no matchup here that remotely scares me if I'm a Nova fan, which I know for Nova fans, scares them, because that's usually when they drop the ball. Anyway, uh, moving on, 5-12 matchup, uh, West Virginia uh, against Murray State, uh, you know, Love Huggins uh, in terms of uh, his team. Uh, this is a scrappy matchup. This is a game where I actually think 
you know, the 512 matchup, people are going to talk about it just because uh, it's the 512, and that's what people get excited about when it comes to March Madness and picking up, picking an upset. Uh, you know, realistically, though, uh, West Virginia has a good shot of making it to the Sweet 16. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Uh, the 413 matchup is Wichita State against Marshall. Marshall has a pretty nice guard play. Uh, this should be one of the more interesting games to watch. Uh, Wichita State has not played particularly great defense uh, com- coming into the stretch uh, run. Uh, it it kind of sh- showed uh, showed up uh, uh, in the beginning. Uh, well, not the beginning, but towards the latter half of the season because uh, Wichita State was fourteen to four. But you know they had. They they had a couple of issues that I, I I kept seeing in the American Athletic Conference. So they were fourteen four in their conference, and they lost to Houston in the semifinals of the American Athletic Conference uh, co- uh, title, a uh, semifinal uh, championship. But the issue I see with uh, Wichita State is the fact that you know if they're not hitting their three pointers, they can be beat. Uh, you know Wichita State puts on the points. But they give up. They give up their fair share too. They they'll they they'll pl- they'll play you fast, so they'll keep you in it. Uh, Marshall uh, can play fast too. They want to play fast, so that's what's going to keep them in it if they can hit their shots. Uh, the honestly, the uh, this is one of those matchups where it's going to be closer than people give it credit for. Uh, but uh, I actually like. Uh, uh, Marshall to keep it interesting, and uh, you know if uh, I'm going into, the, I'm not going into the point spreads at this point yet, uh, just because they haven't come out yet. But I, I'm I'm going to be curious to see how the point spreads look uh, for Marshall and Wichita State, because that could be an interesting one. Now, in terms of uh, the second round matchup, West Virginia Wichita State, you know Greg Marshall is going to get keep getting really pissed at the selection committee because. Uh, you know, he's been saying it for years that the committee has it in for his team in the second round with all these tough matchups, and this is no different. This is going to be a straight-up fist fight between West Virginia and Wichita State. Wichita State's going to want to play fast. West Virginia's going to slow it down, and it's going to be a matter of who can dictate uh, uh, the pace of play to their opponent. I actually think West Virginia has uh, the tools to actually be able to slow down Wichita State, and I think West Virginia... Uh, you know, just from my initial assessment, I actually think West Virginia is going to beat Wichita State. Uh, you know, not a huge upset if you look at the seating because I think West Virginia is underseeded. And, and it's it's one of these funk, funky things because, you know, I'm seeing West Virginia as a five seed and, you know, they're a better five seed than Kentucky. But, you know, I'm... <laughs> I don't know how they came up with uh, the seating. Again, this was a very strange selection committee, uh, to be perfectly frank, because so, some of these seeds seem like they created matchups just for the sake of television ratings, uh, not that they'll ever admit to it. Moving on, number six in the East, uh, Florida, matching up against the playing game winner of St. Bonaventure and UCLA. UCLA, I talk about it, to me, it's a... It's kind of ridiculous that they're even in the playing game at this point, uh, being the runner-up in the Pac-12 regular season and in the conference tournament. Uh, it shouldn't even come down to this. But, you know, the selection committee wants to 
uh, crap on the entire Pac, uh, Pac-12, then so be it. But it looks incredibly petty. Uh, St. Bonaventure had a great season in the A-10. Came up short in the uh, A-10 uh, semifinals. Uh, you know, one of the last four teams in. But, again, this is a classic case of if you weren't watching how they're playing, you wouldn't actually realize that it was a pretty good team. Uh, I actually uh, look at it this way. If uh, you get a matchup of St. Bonaventure against Florida, I actually like St. Bonaventure uh, offensively. If it becomes a matchup of UCLA-Florida, I actually kind of like Florida to survive it. Uh, This is just one of those where it's going to kind of depend on uh, where the matchup ends up going. Uh, I'm not entirely sold on Florida uh, because of the fact that they struggle mightily at times of scoring uh, buckets. And, you know, if you struggle scoring in the NCAA tournament, and I'm looking at Virginia as a case in point, but if you struggle scoring buckets in the NCAA tournament, you're going to run up against a team that's going to knock you out. Because, again, you can play good defense, but good offense is going to be good defense. And uh, more than enough times at the college level, somebody's going to get hot and hit a couple of deep shots that they probably shouldn't hit. But they hit it on you anyway, and you're going to be out of the tournament. So, uh, um, it's one of those games where you know, pay attention to the playing game because I think that has a direct influence on uh, what Florida ends up doing. The three and fourteen matchup, interesting one here: Texas Tech against Stephen F. Austin. Speaking of teams that will not schedule against certain teams, Stephen F. Austin is not getting matchups against Tech or A and M or. Uh, uh, Texas. It's just, again, there's no point. With that being said, uh, Kenan Evans has a chance to be one of the breakout stars in this NCAA tournament for Texas Tech. Uh, the Red Raiders is, it, I'll be, I'll state it out. I mean, I'm not sure if, uh, I'll, I'll go with it on some of these, uh, how I'll finish up some of these brackets, but for initial assessment, if I'm looking at a team that, if I'm looking at a league where I'm getting point multiples for uh, lower seeds, or even if it's just a, a league where I'm adding the seed to each victory, Texas Tech is a team that I'm definitely taking a look at. Especially if it's a multiple league uh, where you're getting uh, uh, the seed times uh, the point value of the win. Uh, just because uh, they are a sneaky Final Four team. Uh, just because if you're banking, if you're betting on Villanova choking and getting knocked, themselves knocked out, despite the fact that there's no one that dangerous in this region uh, for them, because you know uh, Purdue is a nice team, but that's one of uh, that's a very generous two seed that should have gone to Michigan State. But you know, be that as it may, uh, Tech is one of those teams that has a very legitimate shot. Uh, provided that they mind their P's and Q's, but they have very legitimate shot because I think they match up well against all these teams at the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, I like them against Florida straight up. Uh, if Florida doesn't make it, I like them uh, against a matchup against Purdue. I like them against Butler. I, I like them against Arkansas. I really like Texas Tech uh, in terms of all these matchups. And again, if they get into any situation where Villanova gets knocked out in the first weekend, look out because Tech has a chance to make it a run. Uh, you know, I'm 
uh, and I say this, and Cam's going to be happy the fact that I picked Tech, but uh, that's that's a very sneaky uh, team that people probably don't have a whole lot of uh, uh, information on the radar, but that that's a very good team, uh, and they're in a favorable region, uh, to be perfectly frank. Uh, moving on to the, rest, the remainder of the East, you've got Arkansas against Butler. Butler is a 10 seed, way underseeded. They're a better team than Arkansas. Uh, straight out. <laughs> I, I look at that matchup. Uh, I, I, I just look at that and I'm saying, uh, I think they're trying to stoke some uh, interest in having an underdog win the matchup, and that's where they decide to slot Butler. But uh, they're, they're a Big East team, and the Big East is, is a better conference than the SEC. Uh, you know, these are two basically equal. I mean, this is like a, this is like a, this would be more of an eight, nine matchup. Uh, although technically I had both, I would have had both of these teams as an eight seed, but Butler's a 10 seed is ridiculous. Uh, so if, again, if you've got a, uh, bracket format where you're being favored for points by an un, un, underseeded team, uh, getting an upset victory, Butler is an easy pick, but even if it was a straight up, uh, one pointer uh, with no uh, bonuses. I still like Butler in this matchup uh, against Arkansas. So uh, that's uh, that's where I kind of look at it. I don't see them uh, either of these teams going past Purdue. Uh, you know, Purdue solid team. At, you know, again, people are going to say that Purdue is the most solid team and that they should make a Final Four run. My issue with Purdue is the fact that. I don't see enough quality in the overall team that puts any fear of, oh, wow, we really got to watch ourselves against Purdue. Uh, the, the problem is, is that, uh, you know, Purdue is, uh, they, pl- they play a set style. It, you know, it's a, an effective style, but, you know, th- you can figure out Purdue pretty quickly. So if they get into a rut, uh, they they can uh, they can uh, definitely be had uh, in a matchup, and uh, I kind of look at Purdue as a you know to be honest, I, I look at it as kind of a poor man's Virginia, uh, you know, and people are gonna scoff at that, saying that Virginia makes paint dry, but you know, Virginia plays that slow down style. Purdue's a more up tempo team, uh, so they can score they can score points, but realistically, Purdue wants to slow games down. It's just that they'll speed games up if they know they're playing against an inferior opponent. When they play an equal uh, team of their caliber, they slow the game down. And I, I just think that you can take Purdue. Uh, if they get, get into a matchup where they don't feel like they have a, uh, a way of being able to bully you, uh, I, I think you can take Purdue. Moving on to the South region with the overall number one seed in the tournament, not that the committee gave them any favors, Virginia. So... Uh, they've got uh, University of uh, Maryland, Baltimore County. Uh, yeah, that should be a walkover. But again, considering that Virginia does not blow anyone away, uh, it could get interesting if uh, UMBC uh, hits the three pointers the way they were against Vermont. Uh, you know, but uh, Vir- Virginia should be fine there without too much difficulty. They got a little bit of a tricky matchup if they have to play against Kansas State. 
If Kansas State can beat Creighton in the 8-9 matchup, Creighton the 8 seed, Kansas State the 9 seed. Uh, just because Kansas State can, uh, they can be aggressive defensively with Frank Martin's team. Uh, they can make it hard for Virginia. I still think Virginia still pulls it out. But the tricky part of this uh, bracket comes down to you got Kentucky as a 5 seed playing 12 seed Davidson. You got Arizona as a 4 seed playing 13 seed Buffalo. Uh, Kentucky, Arizona, either one of these teams can knock out Virginia. No doubt about it in my mind. Uh, Arizona, uh, you know, Arizona could easily have been a higher seeded team. I think part of the reason why they weren't high, rated higher is because of the FBI investigation uh, into uh, Coach Sean Miller and DeAndre Ayton. Ayton is an NBA stud. Uh, I, I mean, I think Arizona would give Virginia absolute fits. Even Kentucky's teams with uh, the Wonder Pups and Ke- uh, Coach Cal uh, can give Virginia fits. I, I'm just not seeing where Virginia scores enough points to beat either one of those teams. And that's why in the Sweet 16, I think Virginia's going to get bounced again. Uh, if they can somehow get past those teams, then yeah, they get uh, they they should make it to the Final Four. But I don't, I just don't see where they're beating either one of those teams, uh, unless uh, RJ Hunter uh, gets going and they get a nice offensive game to combine with their defense. I just think that the athleticism that they're going to face in the Sweet 16 matchup that's going to be quite a tall task to uh, handle there. Although, on the caveat side, I will say that Virginia has played against Duke, which is, to me, the toughest out in the tournament. But, again, I, I, I just look at it on the face of it. I, I think you got uh, dangerous, dangerous matchups in there uh, for uh, Virginia. So, I, I just I don't like their chances, to be honest. Uh uh, I know people, people are, uh, you know, Virginia fans are tired of being slighted by people doubting the team, but I, I just don't like their chances. That's, an, that's a very difficult bracket to get out of. Going over to the West, uh, just because I could talk about Cincinnati in the South region, but, you know, Cincinnati is just one of those teams where uh, – they don't have much in the way of obstacles. Uh, biggest uh, biggest being uh, is Tennessee, uh, and I think they're better than Tennessee. So I, I just think that if Cincinnati gets a matchup against Arizona, uh, they're going to lose. If they get Kentucky, I still think they're probably going to lose. Uh, if they get Virginia, I think they lose that matchup too. I, I just look at the bottom half of that draw, and I'm seeing it as uh, Cincinnati moving on through. But... Uh, uh, I would say they're an outside dark horse pick because realistically, there's only one matchup I see them losing in that region, and that's who they're going to face in the Elite Eight. So going over to the West, uh, we got overall number one seed Xavier. Uh, you know, eight nine matchup between Missouri and Florida State. Missouri, you know, Missouri's got some issues. Uh, they, uh, I mean. Michael Porter is still recovering from uh, his uh, back injury. And uh, so Michael Porter Jr., you know, he really, uh, really has not uh, been able to uh, get himself going. 
again, it's a back issues, and that's not going away. And then you have his uh, the other starting forward, Jordan Barnett, getting arrested on uh, suspicion of DUI. I, I, you know, this is just one of those where I'm just like, I, I don't want to touch this team with a ten foot pole. So I'm taking Florida State, even though Florida State doesn't really have. Uh, much other other than depth to throw at teams in NCAA tournament, which doesn't really work that great. Uh, just from the standpoint of you're going to run into teams that can have a hot shooting game, so uh, depth really doesn't matter so much as getting hot at the right time. And I, I just don't see much uh, Florida State can offer to the table, and then winning that first round game and then getting bounced. Uh, moving on, you got uh, Ohio State as a five seed. Uh, that's a very generous seating, uh, to say the least. Uh, South Dakota State, uh, interesting matchup there. Uh, you know, if you're picking a five twelve matchup, that's probably the one I would uh, go with. Uh, just because I don't, I don't advocate for the five twelve selection. I, I know it's popular with folks, uh, but uh, you know, Ohio State's not. It's truly not a five seed, but uh, they got seeded as such, uh, I, I guess because of how the, uh, the committee was trying to uh, rank the regions. But uh, uh, that's an overseeded team there in five spots. So uh, you get a uh, valuation. You, you probably get a better valuation there by uh, uh, picking the underdog to pull off the upset. Uh, but neither one of these teams is complete enough to beat Gonzaga as the four seed. Uh, Gonzaga, I like... Uh, quite a bit in this region. Uh, the only team that I, the only two teams that I see giving Gonzaga uh, fits in this region would be uh, North Carolina and uh, Xavier. Uh, I think Xavier has the team to make a run uh, to the Final Four. UNC, uh, they got a two seed, although I'm not sold on UNC. It's just that if you're looking at the other teams in the bottom half of the West, uh, should be relatively smooth for UNC until they get into uh, so uh, into the Elite Eight. Uh, I just don't see matchups where they're gonna be struggling. Uh, I, I really don't. Uh, you know, you got Houston, San Diego State. Uh, you know, you got teams that can make a Sweet Sixteen run, but that's about it. I, I just look at the bottom half of the draw and I'm looking at it and saying. Uh, North Carolina should uh, uh, make their way through. Uh, I don't. I'm not a big fan of uh, Michigan. Uh, I think that's a vulnerable team. Uh, if you're looking at a, a 13, 14, uh, a, a three, four matchup, uh, Michigan is a vulnerable team against the, uh, Montana. That's a that's a potential upset game right there. Uh, even though Michigan won the Big Ten title. Uh, I still think that they're a weaker team than Purdue and Michigan State. So uh, uh, moving on, uh, uh, and I'll uh, do a final bracket uh, podcast later on. But uh, moving on to the Midwest, we've got overall number uh, one. We got number one seed uh, Kansas in the Midwest. Not not the overall number one, but a number one seed, uh, well deserved. Uh, in the eight nine matchup, you got Seton Hall and NC State. Seton Hall always gets these 8-9 matchups, it seems. Uh, between them and Providence, they, they don't really get a whole lot of respect. I mean, Providence got a 10 seed this year, uh, but uh, and which probably deserved. But, 
you know, Seton Hall real realistically is stuck in that seven, eight, nine, ten uh, matchup seed. They don't really rise above that. Uh, they're a better team than NC State, though, so I uh, I'll pick uh, uh, the Pirates to get a win, but I don't see them doing anything against Kansas. I think that's uh, even even though Angel Delgado is an NBA prospect, I I still look at that matchup against Kansas as one where unless Kansas chokes. Seton Hall's losing by double digits, so uh, not a great matchup there. Uh, moving on, you got Clemson against New Mexico State. Clemson should take that one. Uh, I, like I said, I know people are harping on 5-12 matchups usually for their brackets, but uh, realistically, New Mexico State has a nice solid squad, but they don't have anything on paper that would give me pause to uh, be that worried about Clemson, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. Now, with respect to the bottom half of the Midwest draw, we've got the TCU versus the winner of the playing game between Arizona State and Syracuse. You know, already mentioned this. Not that afraid of uh, TCU. I just, you know, again on the face of it, really annoyed with the fact that. The committee set up a playing game with two teams that have no business being in this tournament. You know, again, Jim Beheim is a Hall of Fame coach. Completely get it. Hall of Fame coach. He's, uh, you know, it's got a lot of pull, but that Syracuse team, just because you schedule tough games does not mean that you're beholden to getting into the tournament if you don't win a ton of games, and Syracuse did not win a ton of games. They uh, they didn't look awful, but they didn't win a ton of games. Uh, and yeah, they could win a couple of games in the tournament just because, again, Hall of Fame coach. It's entirely possible. Unlikely, though. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I still think TCU most likely wins, uh, wins in that first-round matchup, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, Michigan State Bucknell, uh, you know everyone yeah, has looked at Bucknell over the past couple of years as an uh, you know uh, upset uh, 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 underdog, uh, if you will, uh, pick that you gets trendy that can take out a team. Uh, this is by far the worst matchup they could have drawn uh, in terms of a team. Uh, because I was expecting Bucknell to get that 14 seed out of the Patriot League. But absolute worst matchup they could have drawn uh, with Michigan State. Uh, I don't see Bucknell keeping up with Michigan State just from a rebounding perspective. I mean, that's what Bucknell would have hung their hat on. Michigan State trumps anything Bucknell can offer to the table. Uh, it's not to pick on Bucknell, but... Uh, Again, the committee did them absolutely zero favors. I, I uh, you know, with uh, the way the seedings were broken out, Michigan State uh, easily, easily should have been on the two line. The fact that they're here at, as a three seed, it's just death for anyone who uh, had the unfortunate uh, aspect of being drawn with them. Uh, and I can guarantee that Coach K is uh, making the same comment to other people uh, privately that this was a terrible draw for Duke. 
Now, moving on, you got Rhode Island and Oklahoma. Uh, I'd be surprised if uh, Rhode Island was unable to beat uh, Oklahoma. Rhode Island's a deeper team than Oklahoma. Uh, you got a lot of uh, aspects that just favor uh, Rhode Island here. I mean, they're a deeper squad. They got a bunch of guards that they can deploy at any given moment. Uh, they can throw waves at Trey Young of uh, just uh, backcourt players and wearing him down. I just don't see, unless Trey Young can overcome the amount of people who are going to get thrown at him uh, and just score 35 and 10, uh, you know, just in terms of just distributing the ball and just shooting the rock. Uh, he's going to have to put up 30-plus points to win this game, and I don't see it happening. Uh, it's just uh, I think Rhode Island's way too deep. Uh, I think they take care of business, and uh, to me that – uh, this looks more like an exhibition game for Trey Young. Uh, not expected to win, but just look good for the NBA scouts. And, you know, I think that's just unfortunate. That's not what the tournament's supposed to be about, but from a ratings perspective, you know, it is what it is. And Duke against Iona. You know, Iona happened to be there. Duke, you know, here's what I'll say about Duke. Whether you hate Duke... Or you love Duke. Uh, Duke should be one of your picks for the Final Four. Unless you're going to go with Michigan State out of this bracket. Uh, I just look at it from the perspective of the only team that matches up well with Duke. uh, In this field, uh, by and large, uh, would be Arizona and Michigan State. For some reason, the committee saw fit to match Duke up with Michigan State uh, early in the bracket uh, by putting him in the uh, bottom half of the, of a bracket uh, by uh, leaving Michigan State on the three line and sticking them in uh, Duke's region. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So uh, the only way I see Duke not getting to the Final Four is because of Michigan State knocking them off. I think Duke's a deeper team than Kansas. I think uh, Duke would take out Kansas uh, uh, just because, uh, from my perspective, Kansas does not have an answer for Marvin Bagley. And given uh, the backcourt uh, that Duke has, I think they can uh, hold their own against any team in the country. Uh, it's just one of those matchups. Again, like I said, uh, you can... You can be annoyed with Duke, but from a realistic perspective, uh, you should be looking at them as one of the favorites to win this tournament, even though there's a it's a deep field of at least five to eight teams can win uh, the national title without question. Uh, from a probability standpoint, Duke's got one of the best chances in the field. It's just the fact that they got to get past Michigan State, so... If you're building a bracket, I would look at the Midwest region and put it up to saying that it's going to be either Duke or Michigan State coming out, I feel, which is very interesting considering the fact that the committee has been dogging Michigan State the entire time, whether that's because of external factors surrounding Michigan State 
as a university or or just the fact that they're trying to uh, uh, hide Michigan State, the fact that they would put Michigan State in a region where they would have a legitimate chance of making it to the Final Four, just is kind of a head-scratcher, but it is what it is. So that takes care of the, the podcast for now. I'm going to uh, put back uh, together a formal uh, bracket uh, breakdown uh, of, uh, before Thursday. So uh, take a look out for that. We're going to catch up with some of the news in the NFL and baseball because we definitely had uh, some movement uh, and uh, certain aspects and going to have some things to talk about with on the baseball side in terms of the contracts that are being bandied about now or lack of incentive with the contracts being bandied about. But uh, we'll uh, we'll take it, uh, take it from there and... Uh, should, should be an interesting week of sports coming up with the tournament. So that's all for now. Have a good one, folks. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.